0: Well, if you have your Bibles, we are going to open to 1 Corinthians again, chapter 4. We're going to finish chapter 4 tonight. Um, this kind of will end the first section of 1 Corinthians where Paul has been dealing with the Corinthian church and their division or their lack of unity within the body of Christ Um We've seen that many times. We've mentioned that. Some said in chapter 1, some said they were of Apollos, some of Cephas, some of Christ, some of Paul. He talked about some in baptism. And Paul said, you know, baptism, I don't know who I've even baptized. I don't really remember them all. That's not the important point. Paul's wanting them to be in unity together, in love for one another, um, growing together, encouraging one another, and um, growing in their faith Um, So, we're going to look at this last section tonight before Paul begins to deal with some specific problems in chapter 5. But this, uh, from 14 through 21, the end of the chapter, we will deal with that uh, tonight and kind of finish up this section. An important part of this will be uh, family. Family. The family of God. Um, And family is important. I want to just mention this. Uh, tonight, um, you know, while, while ministry and, and the preaching of God's word happens here in the sanctuary, there are people equally important with different roles in the rooms back there with kids and young people. And I, I was reminded of that today, family. Today in, in our junior church... We had someone in our junior church um, group for the first time. And he I remember it wasn't that long ago, there was upset of him even going to the toddler room because he didn't want to leave mom and dad. And he was in that room today, and his sister couldn't have been prouder. She, In fact, she looked at me, patted him on the back, and said, look who's here today. That's the way it should be in the church. Look who's here with us today. And I'm so glad to see your faces and to worship with you and to fellowship around God's word with you in unity and in love for one another. That's, that's, that's more important. Not that family's not important, and it is important, but the family of God, I hope you look forward to that fellowship together on Sunday morning. Many times I wake up on Sunday morning and say, I get to see them again today and be with them today again. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else on a Sunday morning than with my family in Christ. And so Paul, I think Paul wants that for these believers in Corinthians, in in Corinth. He wants them to grow in their faith, but to also to grow in their love for one another and come together, not fight over things or not be um, in disunity over things. Let's go a couple places um, first as we start tonight, uh, Mark chapter 1. Just a couple of quick things to kind of set our tone tonight, uh, where we're going to go. Mark chapter 1. You know, this is a familiar part in verses 9 through 11. This is the baptism of Jesus. In those days, in verse 9 of uh, Mark chapter 1. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. And if we look in John, the third book. Of John. John writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Well, we'll start with verse 2. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is, how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children walking in truth, to hear of my children walking in truth. I think, I think Paul wanted to hear that about the Corinthian believers, and he wasn't hearing those reports, we know. And, but he wanted to do that, and we'll see that today in this family. You know, we, we see the greatest example that the father says of the son, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then we see John writing, it's so pleasing to me that I'm hearing that you're walking in truth. It's no greater joy for me than to know that you have believed and trusted in Jesus and that you continue. And so, the title of our message tonight I, I have is A Father Who Cares. And the theme being, there's no greater joy than that for the children And the thing that I wanted to think about this week in my propositional statement is this. For me, this new life in Christ that began in me at conversion. I must be diligent to grow and to continue on daily. I must be diligent to grow and to continue on every day. We're going to read our passage, and then we will look at this passage uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Paul writes this, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. We kind of can remember last week, Paul got a little sarcastic last week over some things that he knew that they were trusting their own wisdom, They were trusting the world's philosophy. He had already told them that was foolishness. He told them the greatest truth they could understand and know was the mystery of the gospel of God that man wouldn't think of and eye has not seen and ears not heard. The wonders of the mystery of the power and the redemptive work that God brought to us through the shed blood of his son that he was well pleased in. Nothing could be more glorious than that. So we got a little sarcastic about them trusting wisdom, infighting, trusting their own uh, sex or whatever that was that they were involved in, whether it be Paul or Paulus or Paul or Cephas or Paul or, or Christ. They, they were divisions there. He says, I don't write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children, as my beloved children. You know, Paul has already talked to them about being uh, he was a servant. He was an under rower. He was a farmer. He was planting seed and counting on God to grow these things. They were fellow workers together for the same goal to present the gospel. He he, he talked to them about a builder, being a builder, that the foundation was Christ and the apostles built upon that foundation. And they were to be careful how they built on that, to be walking in the truth and building up people and building up the church of God, not tearing it apart and being dysfunctional in the midst of those things. He's already talked to them about that. Here he calls them my beloved children. My beloved children, a father's care. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you to be imitators of me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some have become become arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Strong words from a father. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word tonight and for the time we can spend in it. Um, Help us as we look through these things tonight and as we listen to what you speak to us through your word. Um, to be careful to take it in and, and to be careful to walk in that truth and apply it to our lives. And so help us together tonight as we listen to you and as we ask to hear from you through your word and teach us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Well, at home in the hallway, leading back to my wife's sewing room, which I just love spending time back there looking at material. Anyway, in her sewing room on the way back there there's a little closet and on that closet is a, a an ironing board and on that ironing board are buttons. Not not buttons you put on your shirt, but they are buttons like this that have pictures on them. They are pictures of our children from long ago when they were in football, wrestling, basketball, baseball, all sorts of sports. And you know what they say? I'm the proud parent of a baseball player. I'm a proud parent of a wrestler. And then we would get signs that we would stick in our yard. I think there's still some of those out in the barn, wooden signs that we would paint with a baseball or a football. I'm the proud parent of a football player, of a basketball player. I don't think the apostle Paul was wearing any buttons when he came to Corinth saying, I am the proud father of these people. There were problems here and he wanted to exhort them. And we're going to look at this. He wanted to admonish them. And we'll look at that word too. He wanted to correct them as a father. And we see at the end, he said, what do you, I'm coming, but if the Lord wills, what do you want? How do you want me to come as a correcting father? In other words, kind of what he was saying, do you want to go to the woodshed or do you want me to come in a spirit of gentleness and meekness and mercy to you? So our first point, 14 through 15, is this exhorting or coming alongside. And Paul says this. He said, I do not write these things to shame you or to turn you around or, or to make you feel bad particularly. I'm not doing these things. I'm not writing these things to shame you but to admonish you. And that word admonish means to warn or to give a, a, a correcting in the mind and the thinking, a warning for them. How many of you have ever had... Your mom or dad say, now you listen here, I'm telling you what's going to happen. That's a warning. That's an admonishment. And he says, I'm not writing these things to shame you or to put you down, but I'm writing to admonish you and to encourage you, but to warn you. As a father, I want you to be aware of these things, not to invert you or confound you, but to admonish and bring to mind, in other words, Think about these things. How many of you ever had your parents say that to you? I want you to just think about this before you do it. Here's what it is. I want to admonish. I want you to think about these things. I want you to bring these things to mind. Bring these things to mind for you are my beloved children. You know, Paul's care and love for these folks hadn't waned. You know, he wanted the best for them. He wanted them to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel they were called to. He wanted to be able to say, my children, I have no greater joy in them. I'm going to put a button on it that says, these are my children who are walking in truth, who are continuing to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. I think he'd love to have a button on like that for those folks there in Corinth. And so he says, I'm not writing to put you down. I'm writing to admonish you, to bring to mind, to warn you as a father who cares for his children deeply, more deeply than just food and clothing. He cared for their spiritual well-being. And he cared that their faith would grow. He cared that the gospel would be spread through them, that they wouldn't lose their testimony through this infighting, and that they would grow in unity and love for one another, and that it would be a strong church there A church that other churches could look to and that the community could look to in times of trouble and say, there's the truth. There's people living what they believe, living according to God's standard and not man's standard, following his wisdom and not the world's wisdom. He's writing to them as a father who cares for his children. For he says, if you would have countless tutors in Christ, that word countless is the word myriads. If you would have 10,000 tutors. If you would have myriads of tutors in Christ and it would teach you those things, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have become your father through the gospel. They were born again. And Paul had no power to do this. Paul had no strength in himself. He simply, as a farmer, he's already mentioned that, he planted the seed of the gospel and then it was up to God to cause the growth. Paul was simply the instrument that God used to bring the gospel to these people. And he, he took it seriously, he took it faithfully, and he brought this gospel message, and they believed it, and he became their spiritual father. Not by his power, but by God's power. He was used of God to bring the gospel to them and see people saved. He, he, he felt responsible for them. And he loved them very much. He saw them come to life in Christ and he wanted that to grow and continue. What father wants to see his child be born and stay the same size? We had a grandson for a while when he was born. He didn't, he didn't gain weight. He lost weight. In fact, the doctors prescribed it as fa- failure to thrive. He just didn't grow. We prayed over that child and... I have a picture in my office at home of me holding him. Just this tiny little thing. He was smaller than when he was born because he went backwards, not forward. No father or grandfather wants to see his child go backwards. And he began to thrive eventually. But there was that period that we were concerned that he would not survive because he wasn't growing forward. Paul has, I think, spiritually this same idea. He wants them to grow forward. He doesn't want to see them go backwards. He doesn't want to see their testimony ruined. As their spiritual father, he wants to see them grow. And the other point that I want to make here, as their spiritual father, as their spiritual father, he had presented the gospel to them. And I thought about that this week a little more as I read some things about this. You know, you and I, I hope each one of us have some spiritual children. We should be sharing the gospel with those around us. We should be reproducing spiritual children, trusting God as we present the gospel, as we present it clearly. But every Christian, every Christian should have some spiritual children. Maybe not a lot, maybe one or two, maybe that's God's plan, maybe many. God gifts people in many different ways and many different opportunities, but... We should look for those opportunities to share the gospel, to share it as a faithful farmer, to plant that seed and then count on God to cause the growth and that seed to take root and to grow and to grow bountifully and produce more fruit. As a, as a builder, we should build upon the foundation that's Christ and share the gospel and see more bricks added to the building. As a fellow worker, we should encourage one another to share the gospel and see the church of God grow. But it happens through God's power, not through men. And Paul said, I'm your spiritual father because I was used of God. Christ is is the efficiency. Uh, Preachers are the administration of that. And the instruction or the, the power is the spirit and the word that comes through the clear teaching of the gospel. So he says, though so you'd have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would have you wouldn't have many fathers, just one, the same as in the physical realm, just one father. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. And he loved him, and he wanted to see him grow. That was just the bottom line. And so he wanted to exhort them. And that's the beginning of verse uh, 16 here. He says, Therefore I exhort you. And that word exhort, you know what it simply means? It simply means it comes from the base word of we get for the Holy Spirit, paracleto. It means to come alongside. He said, I, I come along beside you. How many times have you ever seen a child that's young? You know, they get to the point where they don't do that anymore. But you know what the first thing they do when they come to a street or they come to an area that they don't know? They grab your hand. They want you to come alongside them. Paul says, I want to come alongside you. Take my hand. I want to lead you in the right path, the right direction. You're headed in the wrong direction. I don't do these things to shame you, but to warn you, to admonish you. I want to be an exhorting factor for you. I want to come along because I'm responsible for you as your spiritual father. And I care deeply about you and I want to see you grow. First Thessalonians, I want to look at just a couple verses there. Paul wrote this too in First Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, verse 10, we'll begin there. You are my witnesses, and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and his own glory, and into his kingdom and glory. For this reason... We also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word for men, not as the wisdom of man, but for what it really is. What it really is, is the word of God. Which also performs its work in you who believe. Here he says the same things. I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel as a father. Um, I want to see you to grow in your faith. I want to see you to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And he says something that we'll kind of have in our conclusion here in verse 16. As he, our second point is an example to continue to follow. Um, He says, be imitators of me. And that word means to mimic me. Um, You know, I kind of looked through the Bible this week to see if I could find some good examples of fathers. There really aren't any. Not really, not really a whole lot of good examples of fathers in the Bible. There is one example, a great example. God the Father is the perfect example. And in his Son, he was well pleased. We read that already because he completely obeyed him and did his will and was obedient to all things, even down to the cross and to death on the cross for you and I. But he says, mimic me or be imitators of me. And Paul was not saying, we'll see that, do what I do completely. But what he was saying is, as I follow Christ, as you see me follow Christ, mimic that. I thought about that this week for my own life. Could I say that to some folks? Mimic me? There's some things I wouldn't want them to mimic me in. And all of us probably have those. But we should be living a life, as Paul led, he says, as I follow Christ... Mimic me, follow me, and do as I do. And it's important that we we live and what we what we say we believe. And Paul did that. Of course he says here, as he's giving this example, he says, "For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy." And we know that he was a spiritual father to Timothy. It led him to the Lord at some point. We don't know the exact details of that. He took Timothy along on some um, on some missionary. Uh, journeys that he took and timothy timothy had proved to be a faithful follower of christ along with paul paul trusted him paul was going to send him here he hoped to send him here he says for this reason that i exhort you and i want you to be warned he says i'm going to send timothy who is my beloved and faithful child in the lord See what he calls him? Same thing that he did these guys up here in Corinth. Beloved children. He is my beloved child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ. He didn't say that Timothy's bringing some new teaching. He said he will remind you. Remind them of what? Of how Paul lived out the gospel in his life. Of how he wanted them to follow that that mimic or that following after him, following after Christ, and following after a life that is pleasing to God in all things. He said, He will remind you of the ways, of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. All will see. Basically, he's saying here, All will see. My faithfulness to God in my consistency, in I've not changed the message of the gospel. I've not added to it. He's talked about that recently. He said, I didn't come with this new teaching. I didn't come with the world's wisdom. I didn't come with the world's philosophy. I didn't come with flowery words. You know what I came with? I came with Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and risen. And everywhere I went, I taught the same thing. In every church, I taught that and that alone. I taught redemption through the blood of Christ. I taught justification declared by God when we, by faith, trust in him. I taught the incarnation that Christ came, God himself, in the flesh, in this world with us. And he lived a perfect, sinless life and then willingly went to the cross for us. I didn't change that message. In every church, in every place that I could preach the message, that was what I preached. Follow that message. And I'm going to send Timothy to remind you of my ways in following Christ and the message that I preach in every church. And follow that example. Follow that example. There are a lot of examples you could follow today. Most of them not good. There's a lot of examples the world wants you to follow today. They're all over TikTok and Instagram and And there are fads that are just destructive today in our world. And it it boggles my mind that people do those things. And they're following after the stupidest things. But that's the world's wisdom. It's foolishness. And it's an empty-ended road. And yet they follow that. Paul says, don't follow those things. Follow after my example as I follow after Christ. Just as I teach everywhere in every church. And so he's going to talk about those empty things. Uh, Timothy was basically a replica of him, but he was going to remind him of those things. And Paul, you know, Paul didn't didn't teach. I mean, he taught doctrine, and doctrine's important. And he taught some hard things to understand. But I think Paul was like Christ. When it came down to talking to people one-on-one... You know, he brought things down to their level. You know, Jesus, Jesus didn't preach to the to the. I mean, he he warned them and talked to them, but he didn't preach to the Pharisees and Sadducees. You know who he preached the most to? The common people. And he brought it right down to their level, right to what they needed, right to what they wanted to hear. And you know what it you know what it says? I looked this up in Mark twelve thirty seven. It says, the common people heard him. And we're glad. Jesus was a winsome person. And when he came to talk, he didn't talk above people. He didn't talk over their heads. He talked right to them and he listened to them and he gave them the truth, what they needed to hear. And he did it in a way that showed that he loved them. And we should be so winsome. I should be so winsome that I engage with people, with the gospel, on their level, right where they are. Not judging them, not holding it over their heads, but bringing the love of God and the mercy of God to bear on their lives through the gospel. That's what what Paul did. That's what Jesus did. Paul brought the gospel to people. He, bottom line, wanted to see people saved. He just wanted to see people saved. And once they were saved, he wanted them to begin this new life of growth in Christ and to continue on that growth pattern until either the Lord came back or the Lord took them home. And it never stops. Don't don't think you've ever reached that point. We should never stop growing. People used to ask, people ask me this all the time when I see them. We were we are at our class reunion last week, Helen and I. And they'll say, are you retired yet? And I say, I'm not planning on retiring. I left Kroger, but now I'm the associate pastor at Auburn Baptist Church. Oh, well, that's good. Um, let's talk to somebody else real quick. But I want to engage with them and show God's love to them and, and encourage them and get an opportunity to share the gospel. Paul didn't say... Oh, well, I guess they don't want to talk to me. I'll just, I'll go somewhere else. No, I think he engaged with people. Jesus did. A woman at a well. A blind man. Nobody else would touch lepers. But he did. In fact, one, I think one day said, I know you can heal me if you're willing. And you know what he said? I'm willing. I'm willing. I hope we're willing to share the gospel and share it plainly with those folks around us. Uh, just the truth in love. Um, So he says, and at last, this empty or confronting the emptiness of the world, he says in verse um, 18, now some have become arrogant. We looked at that word. It means to be puffed up or filled up or I'm for me type of thing. Uh, Some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you. Oh, they've been, there's some rumors. There was some back Talk behind Paul's back. He's not who he says he is. He's not coming back here anyway. He's left us on our own. He doesn't really care. He says, some have become arrogant. Let me lead you this way. Let me let me be the new leader, whatever it might have been. Some have become puffed up and thought about only of themselves and not of others as though he were not coming. These things, he says, are emptiness. He's confronting these things with the truth and backed up by power. He says, but I will come to you soon. He's hoping to do that. And he qualifies that by saying, if the Lord wills, because we know he wanted to go other places and the Lord wouldn't let him or the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him. And then he led him somewhere else. So he always qualifies that if the Lord wills, I'm going here. I'd like to go here, but I'm following the Lord's leading first. He says, I'm coming if the Lord wills. And I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. And that that they had lots of words, lots of things to say. Lots of things to talk to people about, but they were the world's foolishness. And I think this power that he's talking about, and we'll see here, he talked about that back in chapter 2. In fact, let's turn back there real quick. Chapter 2, he says, in beginning in chapter 2, verse 1, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. You know what that is? Are these things that they're telling you improving your life or just status quo? The power of the Spirit changes people. And that change should be evidence in the way they live from now on. With the attitude they have about the world, about other people. This Spirit of power that changes people changes us like that. But we grow continually as we study His Word and as we follow hard after Christ. We should be living differently. I should live differently than when I lived before I was born again in Christ. That's the evidence of my new life. And that comes not with words but with the power of God. And the Spirit quickens us to life and changes us, and we begin this new walk with Christ. And some of us walk quickly. Lately, I'm walking a little slower, but I'm still on the path. Some of us grow quickly and walk faster, but we should be moving forward in our life. We should have a different attitude about the world's wisdom and about the world's philosophies and about eternity and about who Jesus is he says they have lots of words but are they changing anybody's life are they fixing anything in their lives or are they still worried about this are they still I'm not sure I'm going to heaven all of those things he says I will come and I will find out what their power is for theirs consist of words but the words of God the word of God is powerful and instructive and it quickens us to life, and it brings change in our life, or it should, if the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. In fact, I think he says in, um, in Romans that the kingdom of God consists of righteousness and power and joy and gladness in the Holy Spirit. Um, so it consists of those things. This, this emptiness that they're bringing doesn't change people. It has no power. Uh, it has no power to change And so he would confront them. He would confront them with the word of God and with the truth of God backed up by the power of God. Um, You know, Paul was a Paul was an apostle and Paul had been used by God in many, many things. And Paul had Paul had authority given to him by God that people don't have today. And I don't know what's really going to happen or what did happen in many situations, But I think Paul could bring the thunder, the thunder of God onto people's lives because he had that authority and he was a tool used by God. Yes, he suffered much and he was a human being just like you and me and he had his struggles too and I'm sure he had his doubts too but he never lost, he never lost sight of the gospel and Christ his savior. He just didn't. That's a good lesson for you and I. When times get tough, Don't look away from Jesus. Look to him. Don't run from God's word. Go to it for answers. And for encouragement. He just, he kept his eyes on Christ. And he said, you know why? He said, there's the power. The power in the word. The power in the spirit. And the power of God. And so often, we underestimate or we write off the the bigness of God. And we, we create in our minds this, this image of God that is so much smaller than God is and so much less powerful than what God is. And if we go to the scriptures, I was just reading this week in the Old Testament, some of the mighty things that God would do. And I was thinking, Lord, just part the seas in America today. Just part the waters for us and bring healing And bring the gospel to folks that need it in our country today. You could do it with a word. He chooses not to at this point, but he could do it, and I believe he could do it. Paul says, we'll find out where the power is. Because the power is with God, and I want you to know that. It's not in these empty words. It's not in the world's wisdom. It's not in division. But let's come together around the gospel. And come together around each other around God and look to him for the answers. He said, I'm coming, if the Lord wills, and I'll find out the words of those who are arrogant, and I'll find out their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but it consists in power. What do you desire? He would confront them with the truth, or he would confront them with a rod. And I don't, I don't, I, you know, some commentators say, this is a little harsh. I don't know that he would really hit anybody, but, you know, he took the rod a few times, so he knew what he was talking about. Maybe just that spiritual chastising. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or in a harsh tone? Or, or maybe it was just a metaphor, come to you with, you know, like just bringing it to you, the truth of God's word, and we'll just have a you know, out over the truth of God's word and we'll see where the power is or with love and a spirit of gentleness. Do you want me to come one way or the other? And so they had to choose the power of the spirit, the power of God and follow that or follow man's wisdom. I want to get to my application real quickly here because I want to finish this up. Two words that struck me in this all week. Imitate me. Imitate me, he said. Follow me as I follow Christ. I want to be able to say that. And that's that's a that's a hard thing to say and, and mean it. It's a hard thing to live sometimes, and just every every day to live that and say to folks, follow me. You know, you can invite people to church, and once they get in the door, can you say to them, Just do as I do? Follow me, imitate me. And I think there's just a few things that we can. Practice, I hope that would um, that would help us in that. Number one, to live before God, wanting to eliminate all in my life that doesn't please Him. To walk before the Lord, just wanting to eliminate all in my life that's not pleasing to Him. He said, "Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, pleasing God in all things. Walk in a way." Wanting to eliminate all things that don't please him. To serve the Lord with zeal. Paul served the Lord with zeal. I mean, for goodness sakes, he's gotten beaten before and thrown out of town. And the disciples were standing around him saying, I think he's dead. Do you think he's dead? I think he's dead. And he got up and went back in town. Serve the Lord with zeal. To trust even in the face of death because God has promised that I'll be with him. Paul Paul said that. He, he said, I, I want to stay and I want to help you, but, boy, I want to go home. But, you know, death's just that, that ticket home. But to trust him, even in the face of death. Read the end of Hebrews chapter 11. To love others more than I love myself. To seek and to see the lost saved. You know, that was Paul's passion, to seek and to see the lost saved. And that comes, I think you could go right straight to the Lord Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. for For I came what? To seek and to save the lost. He had a passion for that, to seek and to save those that were lost, to see them not only saved, but to grow. And that's our last point, to grow in faith, in love, in hope, and in service. Imitate me, he said. May we be that example to those around us and love those around us the way the Apostle Paul, first of all, loved Jesus and then loved people. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time tonight and thank you for your written word to us today, alive and active and it instructs us so much each week and each day. Thank you that we could be here together with brothers and sisters in Christ and just think about these things to be encouraged, to, to just live for you and to look around us and say, I'm following Jesus, follow me. Uh, let's go together. Let's, let's work together. Let's, in love, uh, grow the body of Christ. Uh, Lord, help us with those things tonight that we've talked about and help us as we pray and as we read and as we serve to be pleasing to you in all things.